Ever since COVID hit last March and the resulting restrictions started impacting our lives, people began asking the question, has the cure been worse than the disease? And thought leaders and those who watch our culture acknowledge that by far that was the most controversial question out of 2020. Has the cure been worse than the disease? That question has been debated in the halls of Congress. It's on the news almost every night or at least weekly. You, you saw it on signs, though the words may have been different The intent was the same as you saw it on signs being held by protesters who were marching. It was actually determined also the choice by many when they went to the ballot box in February. I mean, February, I mean, this last November. In an attempt to mitigate the virus, our local, our state, and our federal governments determined that there were a number of restrictions that needed to be put in place. And those restrictions have had a widespread and, widespread and profound impact. If you think about it, just consider the impact on our economy. Unemployment spiked. Retail sales declined. Industrial production went into a slump. It also impacted business. They're not quite sure exactly how many, but somewhere between 500 and 1,500 small businesses closed permanently each day in 2020. 20 million jobs were lost last April in one month alone. Then consider the impact on education. Distance learning became the norm across most of the United States which meant that most two-income families struggled to figure out how, when neither parent is at home, we are going to help our kids still get an education. But probably beyond all of that, the most significant impact that has occurred with the mandated social distancing is what has it done to our personal lives? I mean, even secular institutions... Even those that do not claim to have a Christian or biblical worldview are concerned about the long-term impact that social distancing is going to have in our culture. Just listen to these words from a research paper that came out in August of this last year, August 2020, from the National Institute of Health, a government organization. Social distancing presents the dangers of social rejection, a growing sense of the impersonal, heightened individualism, and a loss of community. Social distancing negatively impacts learning and growth in the young. But first and foremost, these measures carry a strong message. Be afraid of others. That pandemic has taught us to believe that being isolated and distant is safe while being outgoing and social is risky behavior. Yet for those who are paying attention, that kind of a mindset of being afraid of others is taking its toll on us. Suicide rates are climbing. Divorce rates are just flying through the ceiling. And the number of people being 
hospitalized for depression is off the charts. It's time to ask ourselves some questions, especially for those of us who claim to be the followers of Jesus Christ. Has our mindset been influenced by the messages that come through these mandated restrictions? Now, again, what's a mindset? We talked about this last week, been brief. Just a reminder, a mindset are those established attitudes or opinions or expectations that we cling to or hold on to real tightly. So are we, have we become more aloof and and distant to others out of fear and suspicion? Have we begun to curb our initiatives socially with other people because of the messages that we're constantly hearing? And yet at the same time, how many of us in doing that are battling a deep sense of loneliness? We're made... We are hardwired to connect with others. And yet, how many of us have become scared to do that? Could it be this morning that we need to remember what Romans 12, 2 tells us? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have we let the messages of this world conform our thinking Is there an appropriate way to social distance without becoming socially distant? We need to go there this morning. We need to talk about this. Because the way forward is not going to be found in human reasoning, but it's going to be found in a very small little paragraph found in 1 Peter. Have your Bibles open, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at the from verse 7 down to verse 11 this morning. Now, as you turn there, just a little bit about background about this book. You probably know it well, but Peter is writing to an audience of Christ followers who, as he says in chapter 1 and verse 6, were grieved by various trials. Man, does that sound like 2020 for most of us? Grieved by various trials. In that day, to the people Peter were writing, he was writing to, life was incredibly difficult as a believer. It was really hard. So Peter sought to show them through his whole book, not only how to have hope, but also how to live out of that hope when life got hard and when life got painful. So when you come to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11, Peter is going to give us the second mindset, the second key mindset, which we need as we begin to journey into 2021 more deeply. Notice how Peter starts by identifying that we are called to a mindset change. Look at verse 7. He writes and says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. There's the transforming mindset we need. But how do we get there? Well, notice that this new mindset is based on the future. It's not based on the past, and it's not based on the present. The end of all things is at hand. Now, look at the next word. Don't don't overlook it. Therefore. In other words, how we think is based upon our sense of the time. But for those who follow Jesus Christ... 
It's not important what time it is. It's important how much time is left. In other words, our focus is not to be on our wristwatch. Our focus is to be on the countdown clock in heaven. And by the way, we have that perspective all the time, though we may not realize it. Uh, Go to an athletic event. And when the game clock starts to wind down to the end of the game, typically it spurs some unique action by one team or the other. Football teams, the one that's behind, they go into their two-minute drill in order to score to tie it or to score to win it. It's dinner time. And the timer on the oven says in 10 minutes, the meat is going to be done. It spurs action. It's time to set the table. It's time to finish the salad. It's time to tell the kids, go wash your hands. Your babysitter one evening reminds your children, okay, your parents said they'd be home by 9. It's 845. It's time to, what, clean up. It's time to put the toys away. For those of you who are parents and still have young children in the home, you're mindful of this. You realize that when they grow to be in their late teens, more than likely they're going to move out of the home, they're going to go on to school. The clock is ticking down for how long before that child is off on life on their own. Likewise, The clock is ticking down. We are living in the end times, as Peter says. The end of all things is at hand. In other words, it's all winding down. It's almost all over. It's almost all done. And what does that imply? Well, the New Testament authors use words very similar to that to acknowledge that Jesus Christ himself is about ready to physically come back. And when he does... All the brokenness of this world that we're living in, this this sin-damaged world, it's going to be healed. Every wrong is going to be made right by perfect divine justice. All the systems and structures that have caused us so much pain and so many tears are going to be replaced by a wonderful kingdom. In other words, something glorious is about ready to happen. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, in light of the fact that there isn't much time remaining, we are called to have a specific mindset. What is that mindset? Well, it's got two words he uses. Look where he goes here at the end of verse 7. First of all, we're to be self-controlled. That word that Peter uses there, describes thinking in a sound or sane manner. I like to call it, it's having a cool head. (laughs) In other words, we're to be, our, our, our thinking is to be balanced. Our thinking is to be reasonable. On the opposite side, we're not to have our thoughts dominated or motivated by fear, where we're then driven to extremes. We're driven to be rash. We're driven, driven to be frantic. No, have a cool head. Well, look at the second way in which we're to have a mindset, and that is to be also sober-minded. That word describes unimpaired thinking. So if the first is to have a cool head, the second one is to have a clear head. In other words, thinking that's not impaired by any form of intoxication. 
So if the cool head is not to be motivated by fear, the second one, sober-minded, means we should not be motivated by a feel-good behavior or mindset as if we're self-medicating in order to handle the pressure, the strain, the stress, or the emotional drain that's going on in our lives. By the way, if you want to follow down this line of thinking a little bit more, write down Luke chapter 12, verse 41 to verse 48. There's the best example or illustration of cool and clear-headed mindset. It's the wise and faithful steward who realizes the master is going to come back and he's going to come back at an unexpected time so his cool and clear-headed thinking keeps him focused on what he's been given to do. So likewise, because our master is going to return and we don't know exactly when, it's going to be unexpected, we're called to a specific kind of a mindset change. Our sense of time changes how we think to have a cool head, to have a clear head. But then Peter takes it and asks us to take another step with it. He says, cultivate a mindset that's going to be revealed in some unique behaviors. Now watch here, because Peter is constantly going to be pushing that our transformed thinking is going to lead to transformed behavior. And our mindset is going to be revealed in behavior going in two different directions. The first direction is that we engage vertically. Look at the end of verse 7. So the the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober. Why? First of all, for the sake of your prayers. A cool head and a clear head changes the way we engage with our God in prayer. I got thinking about this. I don't know if I'm unique. I don't think I am, but maybe I am. But I realized how much I struggled in prayer in 2020. Um, Struggled to know how do I even pray about the pandemic that we were going through? How do I pray about the social distancing that was being required of me? Um, How do I pray about the simple desire? Lord, I'd really like to go out to a restaurant and eat a meal. (laughs) How do you pray about that? Uh, About our frustration about being cooped up in the home all day long. That we missed the funeral or there was not even a service possible. Um, Your students, the frustration. How do they pray when they couldn't even have a prom last year? They couldn't even have graduation. Or for brides and grooms whose wedding plans were just thrown up in the air because of it all. How do you pray? And yet, when our minds understand that there's a larger story unfolding where the most important clock of all is winding down, what that does is it puts into perspective my small story. And as a result, then with a cool head and a clear head, I can pray. I can pray and ask, God, help me see your hand in all of this. I can then pray and I can relinquish my rights. I can relinquish my expectations. Why? Because I've got a good heavenly father. I can pray for his guidance, but not out of fear. 
I can pray for his provision, but not out of a feel-good motivation. A cool head and a clear head allows each of us to enter into prayer as a dialogue, not just a give-me-give-me monologue. Because we know we have a loving, heavy Father who cares about us and invites us to come and cast our cares on Him. But He also, we realize, He wants to speak into our lives, and so in prayer, we give Him time, time where we listen, time to hear his still small voice speaking to us. That's what it means to engage vertically with the Lord. Have a cool head and a clear head in our prayer. And to ask, Lord, have the messages of 2020 had an impact on my mindset? Has it resulted that my thinking is more conformed to the world. Lord, give me your grace to have a transformed mindset. See, it it impacts our prayers. Our mindset will be revealed in that vertical engagement. But there's a second way we engage that I mentioned. Look at the passage. Our mindset will not only be revealed as we engage vertically, but then we also begin to engage horizontally. And in verse 8 down to the first part of verse 11, Peter mentions that there are three ways we engage horizontally. And as we do this, it begins to build community because these are three very practical ways that we engage with those that are around us. Now watch, I'm going to read this, but watch how each one of these engagements is coupled with the words one another. Look at verse 8. So above all, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Wow. That's a mindset not seen much in 2020, was it? Now again, remember what that... National Institute of Health research writer mentioned that the pandemic has taught us to believe that being isolated and distant is safe while being outgoing and social is risky behavior. Yet Peter reminds us that even in hard and painful times, we are to do three things. First of all, we are to love others earnestly. Now, I know that you know this, but it bears repeating. When the New Testament tells us to love, it's asking us to do what is best for that other person. So as the Bob Goff best-selling book was titled, Love Does. And 2020 was a challenge to engaging horizontally like this, wasn't it? We all were tempted by what we experienced in this last year to constantly have our focus narrowed down over and over again. So I became just convinced I've just got to care about me and mine. That National Institute of Health research paper also made another observation. Listen carefully to this. 
The writer said, COVID-19 is easily spread by human contact, yet it is important to be mindful that the enemy remains the virus, not our peers. Ooh. See, one of the haunting questions that I've been asking myself recently is how can I love others more earnestly, more deeply, more eagerly in 2021? Now look again at verse 8. It says, keep loving one another earnestly. Look at the next statement. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Folks, each one of us is going to get hurt this next year, as the sins of others splash on us, just like we got hurt last year as the sins of others splashed on us. How does love engage here? Love covers not in trying to hush it up. It's not trying to be blind to what occurred. It's not ignoring it, justifying it, or condoning the sin. Rather, what, how does love cover? It forgives. Because that person lives knowing the forgiving grace of God that they've received. As I have been forgiven, so I forgive. Now again, remember, what's the order here? Vertical engagement, then horizontal engagement. So if I start with the vertical engagement of praying then I pray, Lord, as I engage with others horizontally, help me to grow in my love for them that it's earnest. Then Peter moves to the second engagement, the second horizontal engagement. Verse 9, we are to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Again, as I'm sure you know, but it bears repeating, Hospitality literally means to have a love of strangers. And in that day, there weren't hotels or, like we know them, or fast food restaurants that could cater to the traveling public. So literally, people opened their homes to meet the needs of those that were traveling through. So hospitality became known as using my home to meet the needs of others, even if they're total strangers. Boy, was that type of engagement horizontally challenged this last year. We were told to keep a distance. So what did many people do? They didn't lock the door and just kept everybody out. Yet if hospitality is sharing with others what God has given to me, then that includes my home, it includes meals, it includes um, my resources, it includes my very life that I give away to others. And my friends, hospitality is a wonderful, wonderful lifestyle. And it stands in contrast to the, to the current spirit of self-centeredness that's in our country and the human desire to protect what we have and keep it from me. But here's the reality. Mandated social distancing and the very real health risk that so many have by being out in public, it has put a crimp, hasn't it, on former expressions of hospitality. But it shouldn't have to shut it down totally. 
Have you considered how your home or from your home base, food could still go out to others? How cards or other written forms of expression could be an encouragement as they're sent to others? How the internet from your very home could be an extension of your care to others through texts and emails and video chats? How from your home a financial gift could be used to lift the burden of somebody else? How your home, if nothing else, could be the base of prayer as you regularly intercede for other people? See, those are creative other options of, of hospitality. But again, back to the vertical, helps us then with the horizontal. Have we prayed and asked the Lord, how can I show hospitality to others? Lord, will you help my creativity just run wild with options that I've never thought about before? And then Peter turns to a third horizontal engagement. Notice starting at Verse 10, we are then to serve fervently. Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Huh, Peter mentions there are no exceptions Every believer has been given a spiritual gift to use to serve others. But notice how this gift is structured. I use it as a steward. That word is manager. Now, a manager does not own the resources, so my spiritual gift is not mine. I've been given it. I'm to use these resources that I've been given by the owner. My daughter, my youngest daughter, our youngest daughter, Jenny, um, is the manager of a California pizza kitchen out in San Diego. She doesn't own the million-dollar facility where the restaurant is. She doesn't personally pay for the food that gets delivered to the restaurant twice a week. She doesn't pull out her own checkbook and, and write a check to pay her servers for the time they put in that day. No, she's managing the resources given to her by the owners of that company. See, my gift in the same way is, is given to me. And it's the way I serve other people. Now, notice something that Peter says here. Notice that there are a variety of gift expressions. And he mentions that some primarily use their lips other people primarily use your hand, their hands. And I think he's mentioning this to us, that there's a variety, a lot of different expressions, so that we'll be content with what we've been given, that we won't compare ourselves and say, well, if I had that gift, but yeah, I could serve well. I would love to do that. No, Peter's encouragement is be fervent in the use of your gift. Be wholehearted in your serving. Throw yourself into it. And once again, 2020 has really challenged this kind of horizontal engagement, hasn't it? Again, as I mentioned, we've been so tempted for our focus just to get narrow and narrow and narrow. So I just think about me and mine. So easy to think in terms of how am I being served? 
How are others reaching out to me? How are my needs being met? And yet when I engage vertically first, then I can come in prayer and I can say, Lord, will you show me the opportunities that are right in front of me that I may be overlooking to serve? Lord, will you help me use my gift to serve others so that it makes an eternal difference in their life? Okay, let's pause just for a moment. Let's kind of look back at at those three. Do you see how that shift to that kind of a mindset of engaging vertically and then engaging horizontally would revolutionize your journey into 2021? For instead of just being in a reactive posture to however your circumstances change in the coming months, rather you now have been given a proactive agenda to pursue that regardless of what comes, I am going to love earnestly, I am going to show hospitality creatively, and I'm going to serve fervently. Now look at the last part of verse 11. If you have the English Standard Version, which is what I preach on or preach from on Sunday mornings, there's a dash there. Why is there a dash there? Well, it's the translator's way of saying Peter's now summing up something here. Peter writes, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. When we engage with our Lord in prayer vertically, when we engage with others horizontally in these three ways, guess what happens? We create glory to the Lord through that kind of mindset. Okay, how was God glorified through Jesus Christ in this? Okay, think about this. The people that you have around you that are in your sphere of influence, those that you work with, those that you live with, those that go to school with you, those that you're friends with, that sphere of influence that you have, many of them don't know Jesus at all, but they are very aware and they know what's going on out in the world. They know that many people are afraid of others, that most people are keeping to themselves, that most people have got this protection mindset, and they know that many are choosing isolation. They see expressions of individualism as People go and grab as much toilet paper as they can, regardless if that means you don't get any. But they've got two years' worth at home. They see that kind of stuff. And then when they see us expressing love, sharing what we have with others, and serving in meaningful ways, that is such a cross-cultural sense of behavior that the only explanation for that is the transforming work of Jesus Christ in a life. So ultimately, our mindset needs to change, not because it's good for us, but it is good for us, but ultimately because we want to become more like our Savior so that other people are impressed with Him. So our desire ends up being the very last statement of verse 11, that to him belong glory and dominion 
forever and ever. Amen. Some of you were raised in churches, and if you're my age or older, more than likely, you were brought up on the King James Version of the Bible. And there are many times, even though the verses I've memorized in life were not of the King James, but because I grew up on that as a little kid, verses pop into my mind from the King James over and over again. One of those verses is Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as a man thinketh, so is he. My mindset, your mindset, as we enter into 2021 is going to make all the difference in the world. For as a man thinketh, so is he. So let me summarize this paragraph, this powerful paragraph here in verse and chapter 4 of 1 Peter. And let this become our second mindset as a body of believers. I will cultivate a mindset of loving engagement with others so that my daily focus is a looking out, not in. The clock is ticking down. So with a cool head and a clear head, stay engaged both vertically and horizontally. And may our lives individually and our lives corporately as a body of believers be known not for a mindset of protection, but a mindset of penetration so that our, God, our great God gets the glory from it all. Let's pray. Oh, fathers, we look back at 2020 and we see how the brokenness of this fallen world has entered into our, into our lives and it has changed our trajectory. There have been times when it's just been inconvenience. But for many here, it's been much, much more than that. It's been hard. It's been painful. It's brought tears. Father, how many of us this morning are... are needing to confess and just recognize that we have been so tempted to allow the messages of our world to, de to determine our mindset. And it's been hard because they've been messages of fear, messages of protection, messages of survival, messages of just feel good. Father, forgive, forgive me. Forgive us when we've allowed those messages to make us afraid of others. And so, Father, our prayer this morning is that you would transform. I need it. Transform me. Transform us. By your Holy Spirit, would you release us to engage not only with you, but then with others, that our love might be an expression that's earnest, that our hospitality is creative, that our serving is fervent. 
Father, would you help each one of us to live as instruments of your transforming presence right where we live, in our families, with our friends, at our jobs, at school. That others will see our mindset bent and that you would get the glory. Oh, Father, that's our prayer this morning. Father, would you do that? In each one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.